Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. Matt, no more talking to people. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode <laughs> 219, the dirty half dozen. Brought to you by Hot Pockets, which we encourage you to enjoy responsibly. Don't eat one before you blow up the bus, or you might just blow up the bus. (laughs) Well done, Pete. And speaking of blowing up, we just wanted to thank everybody who has been listening, uh, especially recently, to this podcast, the Daredevil podcast, who enjoyed the mini update that we did in the Agent Carter feed. Uh, We... we Traditionally and historically never talk uh, specific numbers, but uh, just wanted to mention that Pete and I, before Daredevil hit, as S.H.I.E.L.D. was heating up, uh, we kind of set a little goal for ourselves that would be, you know, it would be nice if we got to a certain particular uh, number and uh, number for the month of April, and we surpassed that today and couldn't be done without, it couldn't have been done without everybody, and we just really, really appreciate not just, you know, whatever, uh, a dial went to a certain number and now we're happy, but we're just, we're so happy that so many people are listening and enjoying uh, the uh, Fantastic Geek oeuvre of offerings. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We have the best fans. Hashtag grateful. Next stop, world domination. Hail Hydra. Okay, time to catch you up on what went down in the episode. Rather uh, unique tease here. We see images very quickly of blood dripping on the ground. Gordon has a gash above uh, where he doesn't have his eyes. Uh, <laughs> there is Lincoln. There is a, uh, a clock ticking. We see a Hydra body bag, and Raina wakes up to Ja Young with her. Uh, she asks her, have you been watching me? Um, and Raina tells her about the dreams here, particularly in light of what was going on with Lincoln. The, he was there. It was so real. Suddenly, Cal is transported back by Gordon. Uh, he tells Jiang he is back after such a well-planned banishing. Sky reappears as well, and uh, Jiang is concerned for her well-being. asks her if she's okay, and finally Gordon returns with the same cut above his brow um, that he had in the dream. He tells them it's Hydra. They took Lincoln. And Raina sees this all for the second time. It's such an interesting narrative device, which of course is not particularly new here, but just this notion of visions of the future and and uh, whether it's presented by a character or sometimes you know an episode will do it and then say thirty six hours ago. It, it's just interesting because it gives us some kind of sense of where things are headed to. Uh, the fact that it's that it's centered in Raina. And what that means for her character is something that is explored uh, earlier on. But this is almost kind of a, uh, a a giving her the credit kind of scene to really say, as if we weren't clear on it already, but to, to say once and for all, what we are seeing really is um, is the things that she's actually seeing. And it's kind of like what I see 
uh, as spoiler Pete, except I see all of it and I can control it, fast forward, rewind, like that. Act one begins with the bus and the uh, infamous holding cell. Uh, and Colson and Gonzalez meet again here. Uh, Colson has some particularly good lines here, talks about how it's good to see his boss again, um, but that they all have secrets, including the one that Gonzalez is, has in the cargo hold of his ship. And Gonzalez says, how do you know about that? Colson tells him it's in the box and he will open it for him i am so glad that this is something that they picked up on i know that we had very clearly uh heard the reference of there being something in the uh the the hold of the iliad uh way back when that was first introduced but there was discussion back and forth between the two of us is it just you know a MacGuffin in order to have an excuse for them to stay in the helicarrier and to fight deck by deck and so on and so forth. And I love that we now are looping back to that with these uh, three episodes to go. To the afterlife where Sky is speaking to her mother and the subject is Cal. Um, she's concerned as well uh, about Lincoln and um, their possession here, Hydra's possession of him. Ying knows better than most as she explains to her daughter what Hydra is capable of having been taken apart and put back together again thanks to Cal. Um, and she goes on to explain to her daughter here that they cannot rescue um, Lincoln right now, not now at all. Pete, what, what really struck home for me in this scene was this idea that Jai Ying is, is willing to sacrifice Lincoln to torture and death, um, and even going so far as to say, you know, Lincoln would want this. He wouldn't want to risk the lives of the people that could go save him. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a foreign notion, I think, to, to many of us, particularly those of us who kind of, you know, fancy the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going in to save the day. Uh, type thing certainly just an interesting kind of perspective there on Jai Ying's leadership definitely we head to a another cell quite a theme within the course of this episode um, and Lincoln and Deathlock are uh, looking out in their captivity uh, in a Hydra base <clears throat> um, Deathlock explains here he doesn't know where they are and that his arm has been disabled so he cannot shoot missiles and get them out of here um what they're going to uh do is if they want out they're going to have to do it themselves dr list and bakshi are watching on a monitor the two of them and they break down what they're looking at, that Deathlock's enhancements are something they'd very much like to explore, while Lincoln's are intrinsic and would need to be unlocked. But uh, Bakshi reminds Dr. List that Dr. Whitehall believed that discovery re required experimentation and with that, a device descends from the ceiling and stuns 
Lincoln and Mike Peterson. I really like this um, this kind of interesting difference that they note between the two, which I guess was obvious enough to us, but hadn't ever been put clearly, which, uh, you know, it, which is the Deathlock is a product of science and Link, uh, Lincoln a product of nature. Um, an interesting way to look at it, particularly in view of um, what the Inhumans represent as this natural alternative to the you know, the largely augmented powers that we have, you know, the Tony Stark suits, the the super soldier serum, etc. Um, it's kind of a new idea, at least to, to many people in the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe world, like, you know, the, the people inside the story, that, that these things can be achieved naturally. Definitely. Um, from there, we head back to Coulson, and uh, he has this box here. Um, he's already got his own people picked out for the uh, mission, um, much to Gonzalez's chagrin. And uh, we go to the Quinjet where uh, Fitz is speaking to Hunter and uh, asks him uh, how he feels. And Pointing to Ward here, he says, nauseous, uh, where we notice that Ward and Kara, Agent 33, are flying the Quinjet there. There's some light banter about if she was picking where they were going, they'd be heading to Hawaii. But quickly, Matt, we're given the green light. Go. It it was an interesting scene in that it, it was um it was clearly presented that Fitz and Hunter were in the back and Ward and thirty three were in the front. Uh, by the way, Ward asking the question if she would like to take hold of the uh, stick, of course referencing uh, I guess an opportunity for him to teach her how to fly. Um, in the scene that unfolded, uh, or 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 the next the, the next portion of the scene that's about to unfold, I kind of felt. Um, that the fact that Fitz and Hunter were established in the plane here, they kind of got lost in the next scene. We can discuss that as it happens. Perhaps evidence that this uh, already jam-packed episode was perhaps um, over time. I-, I-, I would suspect that this is probably an episode that maybe had another four or five minutes of good quality footage that had to be chopped down. Um, again, because here we have Fitz and Hunter in the plane, but in what we're about to discuss, they uh, they kind of disappear. They do. The Quinjet lands on top of the bus, and then we have Gonzalez welcoming Agent May back, and uh, he tells Ward that he will be accompanied by guards at all times. May uh, reminds him that they will not hesitate to shoot you. Obviously an appropriate response there and and one that I think I rather um, miss uh, misappreciated given kind of the, the, the twist taken at the end with Ward, which we will discuss in due course. Um, at the time, it was just, you know, oh, the story is going through the motions to explain this, uh, to, you know, to explain all these uh, particulars here for him finally coming home. And by the way, Pete, this again, the scene here where... It's Ward in 33, and there's guns, and there's, hey, here I am. And it's just kind of like, where's Fitz and Hunter? Uh, again, I would propose that maybe the Fitz and Hunter coming out of the plane scene uh, worked in every way, except for that of timing, and had to get the old snip-snip. 
Act Two and uh, Coulson and the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. is viewing video streamed from Deathlock's eye camera. Uh, Morse explains now that that's been disabled, that they have no eyes on the ground, and Ward tells her that's not true. He has a guy, Bakshi. Uh, but Morse reminds him and us, well, wait, you work for Hydra. And he reminds us and some other people, Matt, that, no, he's just an independent contractor. This this scene here of Deflock's eye being taken out by way of seeing, you know, seeing it from the eye's point of view. I mean, what a what a presentation, what a great way to deal with the the content limitations that that broadcast TV would give you and turn those lemons into lemonade. Um if this was in a different venue, maybe you kind of show, you know, it, it, them digging into the eye socket and pulling it out and it being an expensive effects shot. Instead, you just get this visceral view of what he sees and what what any one of us would see if it was being done to us. And it's just it's just horrible. And it's also inexpensively done. You know, they're just yanking a little camera out of some, you know, some fixture and recording it. And, you know, and, and there you have the footage for the show. So kind of a, a, a chilling moment there, kind of underlying how evil those Hydra people are, Pete. And even within different Marvel properties, Matt, it might be handled differently. For instance, on Daredevil, the eye would yank itself out. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> More damage to the right eye, Pete. Oh, wait, this is the left <laughs> eye. It's Deathlock's left eye, right? That's on our right. <laughs> In a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the subject of taking a vote here. Uh, comes up and uh, May, who is now granted a seat on the board and at the table, uh, would like a word with Coulson first, but not before we uh, catch up with Fitzsimmons. Fitz, of course, thanks uh, her for the delicious sandwich, a callback to a couple episodes ago and then a callback to a callback from season one and a trip she went on with Ward. I'm sorry, he went on with Ward where uh, she packed him that sandwich. It's all connected, Matt. Oh, it absolutely um, is. But uh, he brags about how he attacked Ward and Simmons is is into it. Okay? Yeah, Hunter had to pull me off, uh, Fitz tells her. And um, she... Lady Macbeth's that stuff, Matt. She says, well, huh, I just happen to have these splinter bombs that uh, you simply just put them on and boom. Ward is a threat, Fitz, and we need to eliminate threats. It's a shocking turn, even to me, who was ready to crucify Simmons, you know, four episodes ago as kind of, you know, the... Being the metaphor for you know anti anti everything anti you know race and and all that, um, it's it's quite a turn for her, particularly given how chummy this scene is. And it feels so so well earned to really truly just have this quiet moment. Fitzsimmons reunited, talking about sandwiches and and uh, even Fitz's kind of overtelling of the. Uh, the attack on Ward, uh, I doubt Simmons is taking completely seriously, but it's just such a pleasant scene belied by her, uh, 
her her preparedness to give reward a babam. May meets with Colson and she tells him all about the travel he's been doing. Um, and he wants, I'm sorry, she wants to know if he will tell her about Theta Protocol. And he tells her no, because she's not the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. But she reminds him that he is not either. Um, the subject of her ex-husband, um, Andrew, uh, comes up and that um, Coulson had actually been to him before we saw him brought into consult earlier this season to counsel him about the alien writing he had been doing. Uh, and May insists she should have been told. Um, but now that everybody is worried about rescuing these enhanced prisoners, we don't really have time to deal with that. It's, it's a well-earned scene, just like the Fitzsimmons scene. Um, it's also a good opportunity to really hammer home that uh, not only has she taken a seat on the S.H.I.E.L.D. board to keep an eye out for him and to keep an eye out for the, uh, the interests of our heroes, but that she does have some legitimate beefs with him in terms of how he has, uh, he has handled himself, keeping some secrets from her. And uh, something tells me, Pete, in the course of this episode, there might be a few more secrets that he is keeping. Just a few, perhaps. In the afterlife, Gordon and Skye have a discussion, and Raina chimes in about the vision with Gordon. Um, but uh, he has been told not to use his gift and interfere here in this matriarchal society that um Lao she has set up um from that point uh reina uh really kind of goads him that you need permission to save a friend it's nice to see reina standing up for herself a bit here particularly since I feel like the character has been a little um, without momentum lately, and, and that's probably by design. Um, you know, she was so powerful when she was fully human, and now it's kind of this, you know, she's in kind of the, uh, you know, the the sleepy time cabin uh, and barely let out much, and it's, you know, they kind of, you know, they don't quite know what to do with her, so it's nice to see some momentum given to her, uh, particularly with the, two weeks and three hours of shield remaining. Definitely back at the playground, uh, Kara and Ward have a discussion where, uh, Ward tells her that, uh, she's a shield agent, um, that she needs to stay strong. Uh, Bobby and Gonzalez chat and, uh, the subject of Colson's people on this mission comes up again but uh, he tells her that we're fighting an enemy without honor, that we must sacrifice for the greater good. This uh, first scene that you mentioned, Ward talking to 33, there was something just so kind of creepy and man manipulative from him there. Uh, I'm glad to see that that was not something that ultimately paid off in this episode. I think it might be worth sticking a pin in it. Uh, possibly for future episodes, although I think... Or if, a needle in her later in the episode. Uh, very true. Um, while my bet would be that there may be just adding 33 to the ranks to be, you know, kind of either maybe killed off between now and the end of the season or just kind of, you know, 
recurring person next season possibly like you know i don't think they have a solid plan for her at this point um i think it's just worth mentioning that he was either being incredibly paternal given her her psychological trauma or he was just being very very manipulative with her as well so something to uh, consider there Simmons asks Colson to join this mission, something, you know, we have not seen her do much of. Um, and her argument is that someone's going to have to look after Deathlock's injuries, to which Colson tells her to suit up. On the bus, the door closes, and uh, I didn't quite get, and I've seen this scene like three times, still don't understand what uh, causes May to draw down on Ward, other than the tension of the situation. But suddenly, Sky is in the rafters of the uh, the back of the bus there, and uh, Ward quips that this is great. They've finally gotten the team back together. You know, it's funny you should mention that, Pete, because I was concerned that I had momentarily missed something between tweeting and taking notes and. Because of the pace of this episode, there definitely were moments where it was like oh. we're halfway into the next scene and I'm still wrapping up my thought from the previous scene. Um, so it's nice to know it, it, it perhaps was not me um, that there if there was going to be some sort of greater, you know, well, I suppose the sound of Gordon dropping her off and then leaving again, um, that it was uh, perhaps not as prominent as it could have been. It got the jitters, Matt, you know, when when you're. You know, making uneasy alliances here. No wonder, uh, you know, everybody's jumpy. (laughs) Act three, a cloaked bus with a Quinjet on top uh, in flight. Fitz and uh, Simmons have all sorts of questions for Sky, but uh, Ward is here. She doesn't want to talk about anything personal, Matt. Um, And then Ward suddenly is briefing them on the plan at Coulson's behest, explaining that Bakshi is using old Hydra uh, materials, and then everybody is staring at him, and he just wants to know if he can address the elephant in the room. He's made mistakes. Um, His brother and his family, um, you know, but that there have been mistakes on all sides. Colson handed him over. Sky shot him. Uh, and May deadpans here that we all have our traumas. If you're going to do a mea culpa scene, which is a dramatic necessity, uh, then then go for it, as the show in, uh, does here. Um, the fact that this briefing of professionals just falls apart because of the the emotions in the air i think is such a really great way to put it as opposed to all right everybody circle up i just need to make a confession here uh lines like fitz has uh we were a team and a family and you betrayed us and uh ward's response a bit after that my actions destroyed this kind of referring to this notion of the family at the table uh, it, it's it's really so so done. Yes, there's some recap exposition mixed in there, but it, uh, I think that the key function of this scene, which is to really get Ward over the hump and into a place where at least we, the audience, um, suspension of disbelief, 
aside for the moment where we can really accept him as, as having come back earnestly, perhaps with a suspicious eye, but really kind of, you know, t- we, the audience, take that apology, even if Fitz and Simmons and Sky and basically nobody there uh, takes it. It's easy to lose sight, Matt, that we have not had these six actors all in the same scene for more than a calendar year. And absolutely. It was great to get that. Uh, and they have dramatic purpose in doing this. You know, we, we love them when it was, you know, them coming together and, and Colson as the dad and, and, you know, uh, may as the mom and sky as the sister you want to put in a headlock. But, you know, now the tension, it, it's a better show. It's a better situation dramatically. And when he says that, you hit it. You know, my actions cost me this, what we're doing right now. He, he misses it and you believe him. Uh, and we should believe him. He said we were a good team. And then, of course, Sky has to say, I'm so happy I shot you. And <laughs> Colson, dad there, needs to remind the guys that they have a mission, that they have a lot of challenges ahead and they shouldn't implode here. So, Ward, no more talking to people. <laughs> Dad, indeed, coming down. It's nice that they're able to find this uh, family dynamic um, uh, once more, because I don't know when the next time is we're going to have another uh, little family dinner there for the Shield 6. At the afterlife, Jai Ying and Cal uh, get together, and, uh, you know, uh, he tells her that he didn't count to 10, <laughs> that he was just a little frustrated and impulsive as he often is, but he wants to know, why did you send me away? Uh, Zhang Ying tells her, tells him that, uh, he has to calm down and they will figure it out. Uh, but he's very hopeful that the three of them will be together like they always wanted. But Zhang Ying points out there are always threats and we see Reina and a number of people speaking to Reina as her star is rising here at the afterlife. And uh, Zhang wants to know what Cal can tell her about Reina. And Cal says that she is manipulative, deceitful. They had good times. <laughs> and that he should watch it. I'm sorry that she, that Jiang should watch out for Reina. By the way, Pete, there's also reference in the scene to something involving uh, a, a flutter in her heart or butterflies in her stomach move to her heart, something like that. Yes. And um, I mean, I, I don't know that it qualifies kind of a level seven discussion in a bit, but I just figured I'd point that out too. That it kind of was like, it was a slightly different bit of information about her, a slightly different way to describe her so uh something something to keep in mind there as well because not for well, nothing the show is with these three hours left i don't mean to to bring it up again but you know i mean there's gonna i would expect you know certain storylines to be wrapped up and done with forever whether that means you know jai ying or i yeah I, I don't know quite yet but we're certainly prepping ammo to be fired off in the next uh the next three episodes and then dispensed with that wasn't a callback to um, Hunter's nausea in Act One. <laughs> I mean, I had just I had just wondered if it was something 
in regards to her surgery, him putting her back together, just something like that. He does good work, Matt. And you know who else does good work? Uh, Mac and Hunter. And Mac is terribly sorry uh, for what has gone on between the two of him. Um, And he promises that the next round of drinks is on him to which Hunter tells him that that's the first thing in a long list of things he's going to do for him. Uh, Mac wants to know if Lance has talked to Bobby yet, uh, which he admits that he has not. And then we move to Bobby and Kara, um, who is having blood drawn, as I alluded to before. Um, I thought a little ominous here, Matt, that they are checking that, uh, you know, she was not messed with physically, that it was only her head. And uh, this is where uh, it's pointed out that they had met a few times before. And Bobby tells Kara that she is there for her. Um, Kara says that uh, Bobby is the first one to treat her uh, at the playground like she's an actual person. Both of these scenes, to me, informed by the increasing possibility of a Mockingbird and Hunter and question mark spinoff um hunter and mac boy i'm glad that they're buddies again if hunter were to leave would Mac go gee whiz agent 33 on the mend um i wonder if um the fact that she's met mockingbird means that they could maybe hang out and kick butt in the future maybe in some sort of in between the fall and spring seasons of agents of shield some sort of eight to ten episode bridge show which seems to be where the wind is headed you know where the where we could possibly expect a Mockingbird spinoff being. So, um, again, there's kind of, there's so much work that this episode has to do, I suspect, in terms of starting to set up some of the stuff for that and, uh, you know, deal with the Hydra storyline into Ultron. And there's just so much going on in these episodes. In this episode, I made the comment to you off air, Pete, that this felt like a two hour episode. Uh, kind of condensed to the the very best one hour. And the mention of Dr. Whitehall for a second time by, uh, you know, Kara and Bobby, that he had done horrible things, but Kara is accentuating the positive and that the one good thing was that she met Grant. Well, luckily all this discussion about experiments It's just completely done with. What's next, Pete? Yes, Bakshi and List uh, talking about how their experiments won't survive. (laughs) Their latest ones, uh, Deathlock and Lincoln. Um, But they have few viable um, uh, volunteers, Matt, that uh, really make it through here or substitutes, except for... Uh, you know the twins. Ah, uh, yes, the the twins, uh, <laughs> and Sokovia, the uh, Eastern European nation of Sokovia, is name checked. Pay attention to that name. The the um, setup towards Avengers: Age of Ultron 
is perhaps a little less uh, unexpected than it was uh, last season for uh, for Captain America: The Winter Soldier, but just as delicious, uh, if not more so, just to to see it coming, to see how they're kind of ramping in without kind of um, uh, so directly dealing with the aftermath. They're kind of really, you know, they're they're headed towards that story point too. It really is just a just a really nice moment in the uh, in the story. It's in the midst of this discussion where uh, they notice that there's a blip on the radar, uh, that they are detecting a cloaked um, vessel, and uh, May is suddenly being targeted. They're locking on the bus. Missiles swirl around, miss once, and then double back, and there is a massive explosion beneath the bus to end our third act. Act 4 and Weaver uh, confirms that the satellite saw shield 616 hit. Gonzalez tells her to sit tight. This was always part of the plan. We then see the Quinjet and our group is inside of that. So we know that the bus has actually been destroyed. So Matt, just a moment of silence. Absolutely. It took me a second to kind of process that. Now, to be fair, it's been a while since they've um, used at least this portion of the bus set. You know, when you see them in the kind of little meeting room there, the kind of lounge area. Um, In fact, when they run out, which, by the way, would have been nice if they were in the Quinjet, like, for most of it. Not the, oh, gee whiz, run radar, quick, get to the position where we're not going to die. Um but yeah, the bus gone. Now that said, Pete, how difficult is it going to be for them to uh, get another bus out of mothballs and paint a black eagle on it and then be like, look, we got you a new bus. Not difficult at all. You just say that and then you take the same set and use it. But I would bet that we're, I would bet that we're done with the bus. That's my that's my bet. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't what was with that bus was that it was unique. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, they, they destroyed it back in episode two (laughs) of the first season and fury comes in, you know, Colson, why you got a blah, 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 you know, (laughs) don't be letting Fitzsimmons do yimity yow. And, um, you know, now it's, it's gone, Matt. So I think fury's really going to be upset. Well, look, I would say this. That was a very young show when it was like, look, here's the here's our primary home base set that we're going to use most of the time. And then they kind of figured out, hey, we're constantly on this plane and we need to maybe open up the scope of the show a little bit. And then they really did that in season two with with Shield HQ. So I would just bet that that they figured out that for future stories you know, give them a couple Quinjets here and they can zip around wherever. I mean, frankly, a couple of Quinjets means one Quinjet set. You know, you're back to like Deep Space Nine and, oh, we have three runabouts. One got destroyed. They'll send us a new one. You're still showing up to the exact same soundstage to do the exact same thing in the exact same set. Um, so I think that you could do without a bus and still have them, you know, zip, zip, zoop in, in Quinjets. And it's just one less set to worry about. Well, when we're in the Quinjet here, Coulson uh, laments having eaten that Hot Pocket earlier. 
and uh, Shield 218 as Weaver uh, identifies it uh, descends and lands, which Gonzalez explains was the easy part. By the way, that's a missed opportunity right there. Should have been Shield 219, the number of this episode. Are you sure I have 218? Pete, it definitely was identified as S.H.I.E.L.D. 218 within the episode. My point is just that it being episode 219, 219, that would have been slightly cooler. Yes. Um, We move to an Arctic setting there. Was that identified on a superimposed, Matt? I didn't catch it. Uh, Nor did I. I think it's just uh, somewhere in the Arctic Circle. Right. Uh, May... Uh, moves in first. She makes things, make sure things are clear, and then back she drops one of the Hydra guards and says he was being followed. Ward, uh, you know, talks him down and says, "Calm down. Your uh, your compliance will be rewarded here." And it's Coulson that gets everybody again on track that they have 15 minutes to till Gonzalez's jets arrive now. Um, Fitz tells Gemma to be careful. And again, the foreshadowing of her plan there uh, before uh, Gemma is with Deathlock and um, sends Ward away. You know, don't just stand there. Um, to Peterson, she explains that she saw an opportunity to do the right thing and she's taken it. Certainly we're at a point in the episode here where it's kind of, uh, follow the bouncing ball almost, you know, what, what's the word Gemma situation going to be, uh, in that we saw her, uh, pack up one of those, uh, one of those bombs before getting on the plane. Uh, so as if things weren't exciting enough with, um, you know, half wounded, semi wounded, but been going to be okay. Mike Peterson, and uh, they're still being uh, Colson and company. Uh, we have yet to check in with them, and you know where they're at in this uh, in this attack. Um, but now we also have that uh, extra extra subplot. Well, then, Matt, how about follow the bouncing sky as she spins through uh, an entire room? I think you were counting the seconds there over about. 45 seconds until she finally arrives at a flatlining Lincoln. Yeah, just a fantastic scene. Just went on and on and on. I will grant you it's not the five and a half minute fight scene from Daredevil. But uh, this also much more dy- dynamic in its camera moves, in its angles, and the uh, the speed of the action going on. Um, I really had to wonder if they saw that footage come in uh, from Daredevil, which they probably would have uh, seen months and months and months before this episode, but just said, you know what, we, we can do something like that too. Um, Kevin Tantarowen is the director in this episode, his third episode for the, uh, for the season. Um, and I, I just think it was like, hey, let's, let's let Daredevil propel us to be a better show. We can do a lengthy fight scene too. It was just fantastic. The camera moving 360 all the way around. And uh, proof that Sky is a great agent, even without her powers. I found the choice of character to do that just a little hard to suspend my disbelief. Had that been May or Ward, I think it would have worked better. It doesn't work given 
okay, this character has to get to Lincoln and then use her inhuman power on his inhuman uh, flatlining self. Um, but it, it was incongruous in that sense. But having arrived there, you know, she restores his rhythm with her quake ability. Um, and then, uh, you know, Gemma is around the corner there from Ward with her bomb. Act five, Matt, and uh, Bakshi uh, gets divined. I was completely shocked, and I would dare say a little disappointed at uh, at Bakshi's exit here. A character who has been around all season, who has been a delight, um, just a wonderful, a wonderful villainous presence. For him to kind of get get done away with so quickly, uh, I, I kind of felt a little bad just for the character, for the actor, that there kind of wasn't a moment where it was, you know, I don't know, his big death scene, but. Uh, He's been a pawn for Ward in 33 for a while and I guess uh, went out accordingly. Ward draws down on Simmons here. He tells her we were on the same team, that he's disappointed in her, but he doesn't cross her off. Uh, May, meanwhile, uh, announces that S.H.I.E.L.D. 218 has the prisoners and is leaving airspace. They arrive back at the playground and gurneys for Deathlock and Lincoln uh, hurry them to the infirmary. Coulson gets a call and it is Ward who uh, took a separate route. Um, he says that uh, sounds like you made it out okay and he thought it was in everybody's best interest that he went his own way. <clears throat> he knows, however, that... Uh, the team will never forgive him. Uh, and Colson wants to know what this call is all about. And he says, speaking of forgiveness, you know who deserves it? Kara does. Hydra. But uh, they had ambushed the safe house where Agent 33 was saying. And, um, you know, she had everything taken away from her. Uh, but Ward knows he's not the right man here. There's not enough good in him left, he says, to be able to help her. And he knows, he tells Coulson that he knows he'll do the right thing. Pete, the pace to this act, uh, the, the Bakshi death scene notwithstanding, uh, was such where, again, I just want to call, call attention to their their big, um, you know, Coulson on the computer, Cap 2 style, what's he trying to get? That is given its due course, but then it's just all of a sudden we we hear but do not see that the plane is taking off. Then immediately cut back to Shield HQ where everybody's okay and everybody's getting settled. And it's just kind of like, again, if there was another minute, then it would have been them getting on the plane and, you know, uh, maybe a, a shot from the Hydra headquarters or, the, you know, this Hydra base in flames or you know, something like that. It just felt like it all of a sudden was now racing to the end. Because they had to get Bakshi's death. They had to get the Simmons Ward showdown. And now with this stuff, they can kind of zip through a bit quicker. Fitz and Simmons reconvene. And we get the exposition that Hydra did not take Deathlock's leg, but they did dismantle it. There is, however, a base where they are going to uh, go and, uh, you know, figure out how to fix him. Um 
Bakshi, they explain here, did not make it. Um, and uh, Sky is uh, with Lincoln, waiting for him to wake up. Gonzalez is watching this. And uh, uh, Morse explains that Dr. List did escape. Um, hmm. I wonder when you'll see him again. <laughs> Pete, I think Maybe some of Friday. our <laughs> some of our international listeners who of course might be hearing this not immediately because their their airing of shield has not yet occurred, but anyhow, some of them will, will be listening right away because they get shield super fast. Uh, they have already seen the Avengers too. Uh, we, of course, in the 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 provincial America get it last tier tier. Um, but, uh, I, I liked this, this revelation here from Gonzalez. Now he's glad that he has two powered people and he's going to keep them here. And, uh, certainly the suggestion of some drama ahead as, uh, as, uh, uh you know, Sky, who clearly has, has rather profound powers and Lincoln who, uh, who went on the mend, um, can certainly, uh, lead to some shocking things. Um, that's, that's a conflict I expect down the line. I think the show's seeding it rather obviously here. Well, uh, Gonzalez is convinced that sky is still dangerous, but yes, he's got the enhanced people at the base there that he's been looking. He wants to, uh, to learn about them while he holds them and find out how many of them there are out there. Colson, um, you know, he gets the uh, the box there to um, Gonzalez, and uh, he unlocks it. He says, it's all yours. Go nuts. And it's then that uh, on his phone, he sees that uh, Maria Hill, ex of S.H.I.E.L.D., now of Stark Industries um, and the Avengers, is calling him. And he retreats to another room where he can see the lovely... Kobe Smulders in a brief cameo here um, on the screen uh, in, you know, a, a direct connection to uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, kind of the gal Friday now for uh, Tony Stark in that movie. And um, he says, uh, you know, uh, have they found it? But they have bigger problems. Indeed, they uh, they certainly do this uh, notion of uh, the role that Loki's scepter played, not, uh, of course, in Coulson's death, but also its ability to control minds, uh, which is a good time to remind yourself that I think the last time we saw that scepter was in the uh, the mid credit scene in uh, in uh, uh, Cap Two, uh, yes. where we first saw Baron von Strucker. So and it really Martyrless. is starting to uh, to come together, yes. and uh, trouble afoot. Uh, Raina, Jai, uh, they discuss uh, these visions. Uh, Sky, uh, the notion of her being dangerous and foolish. And, um, you know, from now on, uh, Jai Young makes the decisions here about uh, when gifts will be used. But Raina suddenly uses her gift. And she, in a flash here, sees Loki's scepter. Coulson continues talking about this um, with uh, Maria Hill. 
uh, Reina explains what she's seeing. She's seeing the scepter. It's beautiful. It's dangerous. It's not finished yet. Uh, Coulson mentions Sokovia again and tells Hill that he has just sent her the information about Strucker's base. Uh, Hill says, uh, you know, one last thing. Is the Theta Protocol ready? And Coulson says, yes, it's time to bring in the Avengers. Which was certainly a surprise uh, to me. I just, I, I don't know what that means for next week. I know what that means for this weekend and Avengers Age of Ultron. The final bit of dialogue we get in this episode is Reyna further explaining that uh, she sees men made of metal who are coming to change the future of the world. And with that, we get uh, a, a change from what we normally hear. We uh, have the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo and Clark Gregg saying uh, there will be more Marvel after this or, or words to that effect. And then Pete, the most drama or at least the most conflict I experienced, there was an extended exclusive look at Avengers and I kind of, I kind of looked through uh, looked through my finger is not quite sure to look but uh certainly a good time to mention that this weekend wherever you're listening to this whether it's the pop culture feed the website or uh the agents of shield feed uh we'll be sharing our review for avengers age of ultron we will detailed look at our bad guys matt we begin with reyna and her dream well, here she is seeing the bad things that will happen in the future, the, that'll happen to people that we, uh, we as the audience care about. Add to it that uh, she seems to be kind of ascendant and in a negative way within the afterlife community. And uh, heck, add to it that she's been a baddie since day one and not particularly sympathetic uh, in any way. Uh, certainly troubles afoot there with Reyna. And that Zha Yang is next on our dossier here. She has very clear designs of supplanting the afterlife uh, matriarch and that of Sky as well. There's some bitter feelings there that come up throughout the episode, but Zha Yang ain't exactly a saint either. She had sent Cal to be exiled and now Cal is brought back although she is certainly softened with the course of the episode, but she knows she's got an adversary potentially now in Reyna. So look for some drama, of course, between those two characters. Softened is one word. Weakened might be another there with Jaying. I, I really sense that she is less cool and calm and collected as she was, and it's, it's not an unobvious change, but it also is subtle. And, um, you know, I don't know how long she's been in charge there. We obviously know that she's been involved with this, you know, this community or at least these types of people for for many, many years. So it's interesting to kind of see her starting to melt a bit. Definitely. Uh, From there, we will talk about uh, Dr. List, Matt, and uh, really together here with Bakshi their interest in these enhanced, these powered people. There's been a couple different 
you know, monikers that we've given uh, these people. Um, you know, they are the Hydra baddies. Bakshi, of course, a uh, double agent. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, List does not play a huge role in this episode in terms of um, actually leading things. Yes, he's giving orders and whatnot, but I suspect mostly his role in this episode is to give him a springboard out and uh, into the big screen, onto the big screen. Um, Bakshi, uh, you know, again, as mentioned before, I feel kind of sympathetic to the character that he he exited here in a way where... Um, he kind of wasn't at his full potential, you know, he died brainwashed and kind of, um, I don't know, not having gone out with a blaze of glory. Um, so I suppose both characters kind of, uh, slipping out one, uh, one, the big slip out though. Uh, and the way that back she goes, you know, certainly memorable. Uh, we will certainly miss the character, Matt. We know that Robert Gonzalez fancies himself a good person and a good shield agent. But yet again, he winds up here on the dossier and particularly in light of his statements, both at the beginning, his standoff with Coulson and and their reunion after several episodes apart. And, um, you know, what happens at the end with Sky. This notion that he is uh, is going to be keeping these two powered people against their wills, I find that so interesting because there's no way that that line was written without some sort of idea in terms of how how they could be kept there. Um, but I certainly don't see what it is. Now, it's not my place to see it at this point yet. Um, he continues to be this this steady hand on the tiller, but there's also just this... Thing that we don't tr- quite quite trust about him and um, I guess certainly time will tell time to analyze and theorize and Pete before we do that a quick reminder as we uh, have been blasting through uh, Daredevil and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the last month or so want to give a big thanks to everybody who has helped lend a hand uh, particularly by uh, by Helping out with those storage and bandwidth costs. Uh, you can help out yourself on uh, patreon.com slash fantastic geek. That's P A T R E O N.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, with this episode that you're listening to now, uh, we almost, almost maxed out <laughs> our storage. Um, <laughs> hopefully, between now and Thursday evening, uh, there's no like, you know, breaking news and we need to discuss, like, oh my goodness, they just. You know, there's this, that, or the other, because we'll really have to keep our words short. Um, A Marvel Cinematic Universe channel, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Non-stop shows. Um, But uh, thank you to everybody, because you truly, you truly made this, uh, this, this possible. And we have tons of uh, things to talk about in the next couple weeks as well with movies, with S.H.I.E.L.D. wrapping up, with us wrapping up Daredevil. Uh, we'll talk more about our summer plans in the future. But uh, just wanted to mention again, made possible by those of you helping out on Patreon. With that, Pete, take us to level seven. Well, big plans here, certainly. And let's talk about the plans, Matt. The overarching mystery, this Theta Protocol. What is it? 
certainly a good mystery. The notion that you know that there's going to be some sort of Avengers connection. I mean, that's uh, that's a juicy tease indeed. Let's not forget though that um, as as great as an idea as that is, I think that we maybe would have heard rumors of them uh, having filmed something or other for the show. Let's not forget that we have the the other bunch of powered people, the Inhumans. Um, and although that movie is uh, four years off, this is the show that's kind of launching it and launching uh, Inhumans as a concept. So uh, perhaps that's where we're headed. I'm just wondering, you know, being as far out as we are from it, from Inhumans, how they are going to maintain this. Um, the tease for next week's episode is clearly inhumans centric i know matt didn't watch it he just went la 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 with his fingers in his ears when i see the mutant enemy logo the tv goes off yeah so um it remains to be seen how we're going to be able i mean clearly that's not going to be a four-year storyline who's to even say that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be on you know in its sixth season when Inhumans bows in in theaters Um, but I'm very interested to see the thrust in the final couple episodes play out well Pete it's worth considering that you know season one maybe not in the beginning but season one was largely about Hydra. Now we have a season that's largely influenced by uh, by Inhumans. Um, whether it's taking cues from the movies or just taking cues from other other story areas, maybe season three will have its own uh, its own arch to it. By the way, Pete wanted to run another theory by you. Uh, this is a theory put forth by Mike Sorensen on Twitter. You know that uh, you know that uh, special special base where uh Deathlock could get his leg back and they're all ready for him. You know what Mike Sorensen thinks that could be, Pete? What's that? How about Avengers Tower? Um how about I won't answer that. Well then Pete will have to just file away uh Mike's theory there for the next couple of weeks. Transmissions. Time to open up the mailbag here, Matt. We have a review on iTunes, which is one of the best ways you can uh, get in touch with us, and we'll put you up on the podcast here. Um, Check Movie Fiend writes in um, with a review headlined go to marvel talk goodness five stars and it reads matt and pete have become a go-to podcast for sharing my marvel geekiness i am always excited to have the shield podcast to listen to on wednesday morning to hear what theories and bits i might have missed on my own watching of the show love tweeting with fantastic geek and spoiler pete on twitter the night of as well. Thanks guys. You are the best. No check movie fiend. You are the best. Pete, I say it each time it gets mentioned, but it's, it's an extra special bit of, uh, of, of smile to my face when uh, we hear how we are a part of somebody's week in a particular way, you know, looking forward to the Wednesday morning, 
you know, time, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, that that wonderful listeners uh, commute or getting ready in the morning, whatever it is, to know that it's not just something that sits on your iPod and you get to it whenever, but it's part of your Sunday morning hike, your Wednesday morning commute, you know, whatever it is that that's that's just extra special because, uh, you know, we're you're you're letting us into a particular a particular time in your week, time in your day. So thank you, kind listener. I do this so that people will snarf their cereal milk during breakfast. <laughs> well, then, mission accomplished. But, Pete, you know what some people's even greater mission is? Why, it's talking to you on Twitter. How can people do that? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P I E T E R J K L A R K E T E L A A R. 5,677 followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in four ways. I'm going to tell you three. We are Fantastic Geek, and that's fantastic with the PH. You can find us on the dot com, the Gmail, and best of all, at least best of all for me, the Twitter. But Pete, there is a fourth way. And uh, what is that? That would be facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with a ph, all one word. Matt, uh, Facebook hasn't blown up like this since their IPO. We are, uh, we are adding uh, likes left and right and uh, make it official. Get yourself over there and get in on the discussion. Well, Pete, I could give some sort of lengthy goodbye in another language, tell you about how awful things were with my parents and the well and whatnot, but I'll just say goodbye to all our listeners and give you the final word. We all have our traumas. We all have our traumas.